you. Come on up. Hi, Marissa. Hi there. Okay, I'm not even going to talk about Thanksgiving because I'm so full of turkey. <laughs> not really. Do you guys have a good holiday? Okay. I'm going to read you a Bible verse, and then we're going to talk about it, okay? Okay, this is out of the book of John. John was a friend of Jesus's cousin, kind of. Nope, this one was the doctor. Sorry. You have to deal with my theology or my lack of it. Okay, ready? Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. What in the world is living water? You know what I thought about when I first read that? Like uh, a bowl of water that's been sitting in a bucket for a really long time and has bugs in it. <laughs> then, you know, the other thing I thought about living water, a lot of times when I have kids eating at my house and we have a glass of water on the counter, it gets tipped over and the water just spreads all over everywhere really fast. What, what, what kind of those do you think that Jesus was talking about? Which one? Can you guess? What one, Luke? The holy water. But what picture in your head do you think they had at the time? I think that he was talking more like water that when it tips over, it spreads everywhere really fast. What he was talking about was when, when you become a believer in Jesus, then he puts the Holy Spirit um, gives you special gifts, and he wants you to use them to spread everywhere like a glass of water that tipped over. Yeah, you got it? Yeah? She's got it. So um, this week, I want you to think about what God made you really good at that you can use to show somebody else Jesus loves them and be like living water and spread the love of Jesus everywhere. Okay? All right. Uh, we're going to say a prayer, and then we'll go downstairs. Dear Jesus, thank you for these small children and for their um, love for you and for our love for them. Please help us to all use the gifts that you've given us through your Holy Spirit um, to spread your love to the world. Amen. Now you guys can fix whatever I didn't do right. have prayer cards? You know, that was really neat that Abby used that scripture because she doesn't, she knows a little bit of what we're going to be talking about, but she doesn't know really that we have that scripture in our message later. The Holy Spirit did, though. So, oh, you saw it? Oh, okay. Well, she saw it then. Okay. <laughs> It doesn't oh, yeah. say anything about living water, though, but it does talk about rivers. 
All right, so we don't have any prayer requests today. So let's just, um, let's do this. Take your bulletin and put your hand on the prayer request part that we've been praying about all month because we always list November prayers. And let's just, as we're praying, let's pray over that. And I wanted to let you know that we're not going to do the Lord's Prayer until later in the service. So I'm just going to say a prayer over the prayer requests. Father, you see all of the things that this month have been on the hearts of your people. You see individuals who have been sick, individuals who are battling diseases, individuals who have had loss, who are grieving, and you also see the joys that we express because of restored relationships. Father, we ask that your grace be released upon these prayer requests. We ask that you would strengthen your people, that you would open their eyes to see truth from your word, that you would give them the answers to their situation, and that you would stir up faith in them to rise up and hook on to your promises and receive your goodness shown forth in their life. And we thank you, Father, for today, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Okay, let's stand and let's sing our song of preparation. It's up on the screen. It's called This Kingdom.
song, isn't it? You know, we, that's what we're inviting people to know, really. That's, that's what it's about. A lot of time we focus on Jesus, but Jesus' focus was on the kingdom. And he wants us to enjoy the kingdom. We're going to have an opening uh, video that talks a little bit about the kingdom. About two minutes long. Churches are full of people. The broken, the lonely, the wanderers, the hopeful, the enthusiastic, the lost, the passionate, and the faithful. For many, this gathering represents the whole of their church experience. They'll listen attentively to a message, they'll sing a few songs, they'll be invited to pray, and then they'll return to their lives. But for some, questions will start bubbling to the surface of their faith. Is this the extent of what Jesus intended for his followers? Who is the church for? Why does the world need the church, and what is the church after all? Well, the church isn't the building where people attend weekly services. It's not a program, a list of rules, or a philosophy. The church isn't a political affiliation, a country club, or a holiday tradition. The church was never intended to be just an assembly of people wearing nice clothes and saying nice things. The church is all the followers of Jesus everywhere. The Greek word for church is the word ekklesia. It's the combination of two words, ek, which means out, and kaleo, meaning called. Thus, the church, the ecclesia, means the called out ones. In other words, the church, the collective body of all the followers of Jesus everywhere, is called out by someone for something, for a purpose. The beginning of the book of Acts has Jesus calling his disciples to a task, bringing something called the gospel, the good news, to all the world. And this gospel would go out to all the outsiders, the forgotten, the abandoned, and the excluded. And they, those outsiders, would see and receive that good news as actually good. And when Jesus talked about the gospel, it was always in conjunction with something else, something called the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, God's purposes are made apparent. There's justice and righteousness. There's hope for the poor and for the oppressed. And under the kingdom of God, mercy and forgiveness take precedence over bitterness and resentment. Now, people previously deemed to be far from God are brought into his family, adopted as his sons and daughters. And the fullness of the kingdom of God, according to Jesus, is not merely expressed as a way for people to escape an evil world when they die. Rather, the good news of God's kingdom is about the announcement of God's eternity moving into the present world and carrying on into the life to come. The people who belong to Jesus join him in his worldwide restoration project. And the called out ones, the church, are committed to advancing this good news of God's kingdom into the world. Not as a means of helping people avoid the world, but rather to see God's kingdom life being made real here and now. The whole church with the power of the whole gospel for the whole world. That's just a brief explanation of the gospel and what the kingdom is all about. Um, did anybody see anything in that that kind of stood out to them that they hadn't quite noticed or understood about the gospel before? It wouldn't be shocking. Um, Ecclesia. Yeah. Does anyone want to believe for a new projector for the church? <laughs> it was kind of hard to see, wasn't it? But it had parts that you couldn't quite see up here anyways. I don't, I don't know what it was like back there. I don't know if it was clear. You could see it. Yeah. It's a great video, but we might need to might need to get a new. I don't know what caused that to be like that. But anyways, there's a lot that we can see. Um, It explains the um, 
it clarifies the perspective of what the kingdom is really all about. Now, what I want to do this morning is we're going to say the Lord's Prayer, because we always say the Lord's Prayer, right? But this way, this time, I want to do it just a little bit different. We're going to say the Lord's Prayer. We're going to say it in a we're going to say a phrase, then we're going to pause and think about what we just said just for a second. And then we're going to move on to the next phrase. And it's just, we're just breaking the Lord's Prayer up in little phrases. All righty? So it'll be a little bit slower than normal, but we're going to say the whole thing. We'll cover the whole thing. We all know it by heart. So you ready? Here we go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We could spend weeks teaching on the Lord's Prayer. It's so packed full of truths and lessons and when you really break down what each of those phrases mean, it, it's just phenomenal teaching. And someday maybe, that, maybe that's already been done here, or someday maybe that will be taught here as part of a class. But what we want to focus on today is thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So up on the screen, there you go. Up on the screen we have a definition of the kingdom. So let's read this definition together. A kingdom is the governing influence of the king over his territory, impacting it with his personal will, purpose, and intent, producing a culture, morals, values, and lifestyle that reflect the king's nature and desire for his citizens. Wow, when we break that down, it really becomes clear what we're talking about when we use the word kingdom, doesn't it? Let's look at thy kingdom come. When we talk about thy kingdom come, we're talking about the governing influence of the king over his territory. We're inviting that, to, we're declaring for the governing influence of the king over his territory. You know, um, before I understood about the kingdom, for years in my Christian walk, when I first trust Christ as my Savior, I became born again, and my emphasis was going to heaven. And in the meantime, I was to try to be as good as I could be in fellowship with God's people as much as I could, and hopefully if someday, when I die, I'll go to heaven because I trust the Lord as my Savior. I carried that whole vision of what it meant to be a Christian all the way through Bible college. So if any of you had something further than that without going to Bible college, you are, the Lord has been really stirring in your heart and leading you. Because that's what most of us have. That is our understanding of what it means to be a Christian. You know, that's, that's how I did. But I was sitting in church, 
just like we are here, and a pastor stood up and started talking about the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit just started working in my heart. That's true. Jesus did talk about the kingdom. Jesus did talk about what it meant about the kingdom and the governing influence of the kingdom over its territory. He displayed it when he walked on this earth. He healed people. He restored life. He talked about, hey, give, give unto Caesar what Caesar's and give unto God the kingdom of God, which belongs to the kingdom of God, which is us, of course, and all those things. And it was like, wow, it hit home. This isn't about just trusting God as your Savior and so you go to heaven someday. This is about being one of his people, advancing his kingdom, allowing his government to rule my life to influence the earth. Wow, what a huge difference that made in my life. And I never turned back. My life was drastically changed. However, along the way, I became, I had struggles because the more I depended on the kingdom of God to provide me meet my needs and the less I depended on the world, there was a transition there. But let's take a look at what the kingdom means regarding the rule, the reign, and authority of God lived down in life. Let's look at Psalm 24.1. And Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So when we talk about the governing influence of the king over his territory, in that definition of what belongs to the king in Psalm 24, it's easier to say what doesn't belong. Let's name what doesn't belong to the king. There's nothing, is there? It all belongs to him. So his governing influence is supposed to be over all of the earth and all of the people. We, as I mentioned before, Jesus displayed the rule, uh, the kingdom rule, the idea of God's governing the earth and influencing over his territory by healing the sick, uh, releasing those who are in bondage from sin to be freed, and then when he told his 70 disciples, when he released them to go out in Luke 10, 8 through 9, he said to them, wherever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Well, that's not the one, is it? Yeah, keep going. Yeah, okay. Eat what's before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Why did he say that? Because every time some goodness was displayed in the lives of people, their healing or some manifestation of the kingdom, he wanted to say, it's the kingdom who did it. It's God's governing influence over the earth that made this change in your life. So just to summarize, when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, what we're saying is we are declaring the governing influence of the king over his territory, which is us in the whole earth. When we say, thy will be done, we have to figure out well, what is his will and how do I figure out what his will is. When we say, thy will be done, we're saying the next part of what we read together, that his will would impact his territory with his personal will, purpose, and intent. Not only is the earth the Lord's and the fullness therein, but you're his. If you've received Jesus as your savior, you're his. You're made of dirt. You're, you're earthy. You're to have his influence and his reign in your life. So we have to look at what the word of God says and see what does he want in this earth suit here? What is his will? What is his provision? 
And we can see that in Genesis 1 and 2. We can see the perfect will of God before sin even infected the earth. It was a garden atmosphere where we were fellowshipping with the Father. That's what he wants for us, that on a daily basis that we should fellowship with the Father. And then we see in Revelation 21 and 22 the outcome. When Satan is finally bound and removed, the outcome of what the atmosphere of the earth is going to be. A new heaven and a new earth that's just like Genesis 1 and 2. But in between is Psalm 103. And it's a really clear description of what our benefits are in Christ. And it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your transgressions, who heals all your diseases. And in the Amplified, it says all of every one of your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your desire, your mouth, with good things, so that your youth, renewed, is like the eagles, and who executes righteousness and justice unto those who are oppressed. Isn't that an awesome benefit package for those of us that are in Christ? Mm -hmm. Well, when I was saved at 12, I was introduced to the door of the kingdom, Jesus Christ. And it's like a big house. The kingdom of God is like a big house. And Jesus is the door. He laid down his life on the cross so that we could enter the door. But a lot of us live in the lobby, the foyer, the narthex. We never really enter in to all the rooms that are in the kingdom. And God wants us to enter into and continue to grow and explore the house that is the kingdom of God. So when I first heard the message of the kingdom, it was when I was in my 40s. It's not that I hadn't read that word in the Bible before, but it began to clash with the culture of who I was, who I had been for 40 years. It clashed with religion. It clashed with with many of the things that I had thought were the right things to do. And it, it beckoned me to get outside of my box and really serve the living God. I had gone to church for years, paid my tithes, avoided evil, but my perspectives and my attitude were, were to hurry up and get to heaven so I could leave the hell that was on earth, because earth was tough. There was a battle here. There is an enemy to be overcome. But when I started hearing about the kingdom and I realized that Jesus had put the enemy under our feet and that we could be empowered by his spirit, then I began to switch over. And that clash got stronger because everything in the natural in me wanted to argue against kingdom reality of what God said was mine. So there was this pressing through and growing and receiving. And I'm still in that. We all are renewing our mind, aren't we, according to what the Word of God says. So I say that kingdom in me wins. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8, I was challenged by the scripture that says, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And I believe in the Passion Translation, it says, You must prove your repentance by a changed life. Well, the only way that a changed life shows is that other people get hungry for the God that's in you. You make them hungry for what is in you because you start demonstrating the kingdom of God. It just starts showing out of you. And, you know, you've heard me say, it shows out through your smile. It shows out through your love. It shows out through your quickness to take responsibility when you mess up, which we all do, which I may do tomorrow, right? 
and it, it, it shows out. But in summary, when we pray, thy will be done, we have to know what his will is. And the only way we can know what his will is, is to get in his word and to get in his presence and let him take us through the switching of what we've always known to the truth of his kingdom. And we are declaring the king's impact on our lives with his personal will, purpose, and intent for us. Thy will be done. Psalm 103. Yes. Is that good? On earth as it is in heaven. Um, that is directly related to declaring the impact of Jesus's. Well, that one's that one's still the will. Yeah. That is directly related to producing a culture, morals, values, and lifestyle that reflect the King's nature and desire for his citizens on earth as it is in heaven. So when we go on earth as in heaven for the Lord, we're saying impact this culture, change the morals, change the values, change our lifestyle. That's what we're asking. That's what it'll be like in heaven. When you go to heaven, do you think we're going to have to experience any concerns about what's going on in worldly affairs? Uh, none of the saints that's gone before us is worried about who's going to be president or who isn't, are they? They're not worried about that stuff. And they're not worried about any of the movements on earth or anything. They're secure in, the, in, in God's governing influence over their life because they're in his kingdom where he's doing that. When we say the Lord's Prayer, we're just asking for an extension of that on this earth. That's what's already taking place in heaven. So we, we, in heaven, as on earth, we don't see sickness, poverty, hunger, no fear, no depression. Because we're believing in the king and his influence. We're believing in his character. Something else is in heaven that's not on earth. There's no churches with doctrinal statements. There's no Baptist, Catholic. You know what there are? There are people who love the king and enjoying the kingdom and allowing his influence, his character, to change their life and, incur and, and build them up to who they are. And there's a lot of dancing. Believe you me, there's a lot of dancing in heaven. How do I know that? Because they're free. They're completely free from any stress, any concerns, any issue. You know what? I have seen someone get healed before. And one of the first things they did was they were like, wow, I can't believe this. They were all of a sudden felt light in them. So they became light. And when we look through scripture in the Old Testament, whenever God did something amazing for the Israelites, what's one of the first things they did? They danced and praised and sung and did all sorts of crazy stuff. And, you know, we, we would think, oh, that's like being Pentecostal. Well, no, that's kingdom. That's what it's like under the kingdom governing influence of God. That's what we do. We're rejoicing kingdom people who've got some great stuff ahead of us and not only has some great stuff for us now as well. So there's no arguing about what God is like. We'll all be one, celebrating the king together, enjoying his kingdom, living victorious in every area of life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's take a look at Deuteronomy. Now, some people go, you're going to... You're going to have to get the kingdom influence that Jesus talked about out of Deuteronomy? Yeah! The whole Bible's about the kingdom influence. Let's look at Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 21. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, 
love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Wow, where, didn't we hear Jesus say the same thing? Love thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength. Yeah, same thing. Then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil, and I will send grass in your, lot, in your fields for your livestock, that they may eat and be filled. Wow, the governing influence of the king over his territory is seen right there. If you love the king and you're in agreement with the king, he's going to influence your territory. See that right there in the Old Testament. But look what it says. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other governors, other people to rule over you, and worship them, lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord has given you. In other words, the governing influence of the king over his territory and his will over the land ceases. Hard times occur. Isn't that sad? When we turn away from the king, that's what happens. Go ahead, next slide. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart. What words? He's talking about the governing influence of the king over his kingdom, impacting it with his personal will, purpose, and intent, producing a culture, morals, values, and lifestyle to reflect the character of the king. If you teach that and keep it in your mind, in your heart, and your soul, and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets right up here on your head, just anchored to your mind, and between your eyes, you will teach them to your children. Teach your children about the governing influence of the king over his kingdom and how he influences it. Tell them all about it when you sit in your house and when you walk along the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children. Look, if you don't want to do it for you, do it for your children. The days of you and your children will be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them. Listen to the benefit. Here we go. Like the days of the heavens above the earth. What is that saying? As in heaven, it is on earth. That's what they're saying. That's Old Testament. Wow. So if it's good enough for Old Testament... Surely good enough for us who have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, that everything we've done that's wrong is covered. Amen? Amen. Much more for us. You know, the youth should be excited about thinking about the kingdom of God. Praise God we don't have to worry about what Trump does or what Obama does, huh, youth? We don't have to worry about that junk. Because if our king is the king of the heavens, governing over our lives, we're, we're blessed. We're ready to go. So in summary... When we pray on earth as it is in heaven, we're declaring that our king's influence produces a culture, morals, values, and lifestyle that reflect the king's nature and desire for his citizens and, I'm going to add this on here, for our community, our city, our region. 
We are walking advertisements for the kingdom of God if we are calling ourselves believers. You don't really even hardly have to say a word. There's just something about you. Something about the way you smell. Something about the way you look. Something about the way you talk. Mm -hmm. And the more that we yield over to God's kingdom and we're having that functioning with an awareness in our life, the more it's going to advertise kingdom of God. So in the Lord's Prayer, when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're asking for this. We're asking for the governing influence of the king over his territory, impacting it with his personal will, purpose, intent, producing a culture, morals, values, and lifestyle that reflect the king's nature and character for his citizens. And Did you ever think about that when you prayed the Lord's Prayer? Hopefully you will. Hopefully that'll be at the top of forefront of your mind. While we're still on the earth, we all still struggle with sin. And we struggle because we're God's children trying to display the kingdom of God. His dwelling is within us. His Holy Spirit is within us. His kingdom is within us, empowering us to live heavenly, godly lives right now, right here on earth as it is in heaven. have the ushers come?